Aristotle once said, in every act of doing, we are becoming. Every day, all of us make choices that shape and form us into the people that we are and the people that we are becoming. I'm your producer, Michael Moffat, and I want to welcome you to the Arete Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you become excellent in all that you do. Our hosts today are Walter and Stacy Nussbaum. Well, I am super psyched about today's topic. You know, we did not uh, do a podcast in October. We had such a busy month. But, uh, you know, with the holidays coming up and everything going on, I just figured I think relationships would be a great topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about erite, which which means what? Excellence. That's right. And uh, we talked about excellence. Remember, erite is the idea that It's the degree to which you fulfill your capacity for something. Mm -hmm. So that's what this whole podcast is about, right? It's about whatever the topics are we're talking about, we all have a capacity to do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I've always appreciated about you, Stacey, since I've known you, is that, you know, you and I, we love to talk about relationships. We love to talk Mm -hmm. about even our past relationships. And one thing you've always done a great job of is you've always done a good job of talking about the things that you've learned mm-hmm. in prior relationships. Uh, is, is that something for you that you would say is just natural or is it something that you've had to discipline yourself to, to be able to do? You always give me too much credit, first of all. <laughs> um, I just think that it's just an easy topic because it's something that we're facing every single day, whether it be in our marriage or with our kids or with friendships. It's just an ever-evolving, growing process, I think, that we have to hopefully learn from and make mistakes and learn again. And uh, so I love to talk about it just because it's an area, I think, of real growth that I've had to do and continue to have to do. Yeah. So Well, uh, like I said, though, I, I feel like I've learned probably more in our relationship than yeah. I have in my entire life because of yeah. all that you've brought to the table. You mm-hmm. know, the things that you've studied and read, you know, counseling that you've been in, you've influenced me in so many ways that it's so easy to go into a relationship thinking that you're, you're the stable one, you know, you're the normal one. And, the, <laughs> and then you get into it and it starts off great. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when the wheels start getting kind of wobbly, what do people begin typically thinking at mm-hmm. that point? What's, what do they start thinking? Uh, I think we mostly play the blame game and it's the other person's fault or deficiency. But I think when you begin to face the same challenges and patterns again and again, you soon begin to realize that there's a common denominator. And so you finally start to hopefully get it and, and um, be more self-aware when you realize that, okay, I think this is me. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, how many times have we talked with people and they begin talking about relationships they've been in or relationships that they <clears throat> were in and no longer in? And the majority mm-hmm. of what they say is all the problems with the other person. Mm-hmm. It's so instinctive, yeah. right? Sure. I mean, how often do people say, man, let me tell you what I learned about myself and just all the stuff that I brought in that yeah. messed up the relationship? Yeah, I think it's really hard to do that. I think that we all are looking for that perfect combination and perfect relationship and I don't really believe it's out there. You know, I think that compatibility certainly plays a big element in relationships and and can make it easier. But I think that, um, you know, there's no ideal perfect relationship, but it really is doing the hard work of growing and seeing where you fall short and and making real changes. And and I think it's hard to look at ourselves because we often see ourselves better than we really are. I mean, (laughs) we just do. Yeah, and we see others worse worse than they really are at times, especially when things get kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I think has helped you and me, and it's what it's allowed us to navigate through the challenging waters that we've been through, Mm -hmm. um, is that you and I realize that a relationship's fundamental purpose is is to mature each individual. Mm -hmm. And we want to believe that a relationship's purpose is to make us happy. And although that's true, that is a goal of a relationship, really the purpose of a relationship, if you go into it with wisdom, is that this relationship is meant to mature me. And so we have a definition Mm -hmm. that you and I both love about the definition of maturity. And maturity is the degree to which one can tolerate and manage discomfort effectively, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, why, why is that such a great definition? When you think about that, the degree to which somebody can tolerate mm-hmm. and manage uh, discomfort effectively, why is that such a great definition? Um, I think it's because it's a, there's a direct correlation um, in how you work through conflict. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't have it. You know, that certainly isn't the answer. But I think that you, if you can manage discomfort more effectively and with more self-control, you know, it allows you to, I guess, work through conflict in a healthier, um, in a healthier way than yeah. maybe you did before. Yeah. Because you aren't as reactive. You aren't as easily offended, things like that. And so you can kind of keep yourself in check. Yeah. Which is obviously one of the hardest things to do when you get in conflict because you just want to come unglued when you get triggered. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit like when you think of a child. The reason we say children lack maturity is because the moment that a child <laughs> has discomfort, everybody knows it. Yeah. So they cry, they scream, they blame, they, sh- they pout, yeah. They, yeah. Sh- they shut down. And it's obvious. And yet the irony is, as we get to be older... Our maturity does not always grow at the same rate as our age. Mm-hmm. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It just might look a little bit different, but we do the same yeah. thing. We blame, yeah. we yell, we raise our voice, we cry, we shut down, yeah. we don't talk. Yeah. And yet it's the same patterns that we did as a child. And so you and I have really grown to believe that as adults in relationships, the role of that relationship is to continue that maturation process. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a concept that has really impacted us. We learned about it many, many years ago from a mentor and a friend who really began to introduce us to this concept, and it made a very big difference. Uh, I know in my life, and I know in your life, because mm-hmm. we, we make sense of it, and it's kind of a fancy word uh, that psychologists use, but the word is dialectics, right? And a, a dialectic is a, is a mutual and opposing force that finds its meaning in the other. And that sounds like a confusing definition, but I'm going to say it one more time because I want the listeners to truly understand this concept because it sets the tone for everything we're going to talk about today. A dialectic is a mutual and opposing force that finds its meaning in the other. And, and what that means is that when two people come together in a relationship, there's going to be some forces that oppose each other that they may not feel on the front end or in the beginning, but eventually these forces are felt and sometimes they're felt with a vengeance, right? So for instance, one of the classic forces, and I want you to kind of talk about what some of the tension, because you have what are called dialectical tensions that get created. One of those forces is the extroversion, introversion tension, Mm -hmm. right? Talk about that for just a minute. What, what is that dynamic and what is the tension that can be created from that particular dialectic? Mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing about that particular one is that it's often the very thing that draws a couple together. Mm-hmm. You know, I was attracted to you because you're so different than me when it comes to just people and energy and excitement and spontaneity. Um, but then over time, that very thing begins to be one of the hardest components, right? When it comes to compatibility, because you oftentimes are so different when it comes to, um, social encounters, for example, I think that might be one of the biggest, uh, you know, challenges. I say challenges. One of the, the biggest awarenesses that we've had is that you are super, super social and you, you want to talk to any, any person that you can, if you're out at the store or you run into someone or you're at church or whatever it is that we're doing, you really thrive on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I don't like people, but you know, I've been known to you know, duck in the aisle at the grocery store because I might not be in a place that I wanna be social. And so I think that you know, that has presented itself at times when it comes to, to social outings or Christmas parties or staying at home versus going out and meeting people and that sort of thing. And we've had to really flex because what energizes you sometimes is hard for me or exhausting for me. Right. And so I think that, um, you know, we've really had to learn to um, be amenable to the other and, and be discomfort, discomforted. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. You've said to me many times that uh, the idea of doing some of what I do, which is I'll do eight or 10 <laughs> coaching sessions in a day. Yeah. And to you, that would just be death. 
because it's yeah. exhausting. Well, if that might be a little bit exaggerated. Yeah, but, well, but, <laughs> but it drains sure, you. It drains sure. you faster, right? So introversion, ultimately, uh, the, the the battery drains quicker. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they don't enjoy being around people. Mm-hmm. It just means that there's a limit to mm-hmm. how long that can go before they really begin to find themselves being drained and need to get alone again. Mm-hmm. Whereas the extrovert, that's where their battery gets plugged in. Yeah. Just being around people and groups and just that energy fuels them. And so this is what's called a dialectical tension because they are mutual and opposing forces, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they oppose mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. the introversion and the extroversion, mm-hmm. but they're mutual because they, they, they work together. That's why they, like you said, they can find themselves attracted to each other early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. The problem is that when the tension arises, somehow you've got to figure out how do you resolve this thing? Right. Right. How does this thing work right. together right. so that it now doesn't cause this polarization between these two people? Right. Because oftentimes I think what happens is you begin to resent the other person and you want them to be like you. Why right. can't they be more like me? Because then it would just be easier if we both are social or if we both, you know, um, we're more similar in that way. And that's kind of an easy out. But you and I both know that that's not really realistic. Right. Yeah, that's and right. So you have to find ways to appreciate Right, what's important to the other person, which sounds so simple, but so difficult to do, Yeah. right? Yeah, it is. And so it requires real growth and stretching, and I think we have to be stretched and get out of our comfort zone. So there's times that we're going to stay late at a party because I know you're having a great time. Yeah, you know? that's right. Um, or you're going to say, you know what, let's go, sweetie, because you, you know that I'm ready, and you know we have to kind of work at that, and it doesn't always look perfect, you know, but... Right. Yeah, it's a little bit like what you just described uh, really well as this concept of unenforceable rules. Like for me to enforce a rule on you to be more of what I need you to be in order for me to not feel so much tension, mm-hmm. that's, not very, that's not very enforceable. I might try to force you to be different, and it doesn't work very well. What mm-hmm. I can do is I can enforce rules on me, yeah. like you just said. I can try to move down that dialectical scale towards you, but to force you and expect you to move down the scale towards me, that's unenforceable. And that's where the problem arises, right? It's when both people try to get the other person to be more like them, as opposed to them trying to become more like the other. Mm -hmm. It's subtle, but it's a major distinction between Mm -hmm. the two. So that's one very common, what we call dialectical tension that exists. You and I, one time, remember, we made a list of all of our friends that we know that have an Mm -hmm. extroversion, Mm -hmm. introversion combination yeah, it had to have been like 90 percent of our list yeah which is Absolutely. so interesting isn't that interesting mm-hmm. yeah and we, we started laughing you mm-hmm. begin to look at this and you're mm-hmm. like look at this mm-hmm. i mean we could name the names right now of the people mm-hmm. who are bo- on both sides of the scale mm-hmm. and you know that they've got their own in-house tension sure. sometimes that gets built up right mm-hmm. one of ours every year now this year it's going to be different obviously because of covid but you know, what's my favorite event of the year every single year? The Christmas party. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. annual Christmas party. Yeah. I love it. We get to invite all of our yeah. friends and have a great time. And for you, it's not that you don't want to see everybody, but the thought every year. It's the work that goes into it. Yeah. And and so we have a different way of framing what that looks like. And part of that's because I'm analytical and I want everything to be perfect and I'm a woman. And you are like, it's going to be fun. We can plan it on Friday night. And it's, it's no big deal. You know, so that's part of it, I think. We just have a different lens that we, that we look through. But for you, it is literally like the most important part of the season. Not the most important, but one yeah. of the most important parts of the season. Celebrating and it with so, friends. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we want everyone to understand this, right? This is a very normal and natural thing. So if you are with somebody that you have an introversion, extra, extroversion dynamic going mm-hmm. on, there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of times you start off a relationship and it's never felt more right because you have this kind of fusion mm-hmm. Right, you're fused together, and there's this wonderful experience of compatibility. Mm-hmm. But every relationship goes from fusion, and then what does it move to? Yeah. Diffusion. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly, there's the separateness of two people yeah. who are very different that show up, and now it's very easy to say something's wrong mm-hmm. or you've changed. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, nothing could be more mm-hmm. right, right? Because mm-hmm. now we're confronted with a choice. And the choice is, am I going to choose to grow and mature through this, 
Or am I going to spend all of my time trying to change the other person and blaming mm -hmm. them? Yeah. And that's going to almost always be a prescription for failure. I think sometimes, too, the answer is just, you know, choosing to let the other person make their own decisions. And then you can only take responsibility for yourself. So that might look like taking two cars to an event if you mm. know that you want to leave early and the other person doesn't. And I think that because we're, we often get so caught up in wanting the other person to agree with us or do it like we do, or, or maybe it's codependency and you're afraid to upset the other person, you don't, you don't necessarily do that thing that would be a real simple solution, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. it, it's just take your own car, yeah. leave, leave at nine o'clock if you need to, and be willing to come to kind of an agreement about that, that you don't have to change the other person or feel fear that you're not doing it, you know, as the other person would want you to. It's not always that case. Sometimes you, you do, you know, right. you make that sacrifice, but I don't think it always has to look a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. So. so the first principle of this then is we want to make sure people realize the fundamental responsibility is, am I willing to make the choice to move down the scale towards my partner? Mm -hmm. Right now, here's the key. The key is you've got to have a partner who also understands that as well. And they, and they would be willing also for the sake of intimacy and for the sake of the relationship growing, they're going to say, you know what? I know that I need to strive also to move down the scale and not simply expect my partner to do all the work of the change. Sure. And that's where the problems come in. And we see it all the time. Sure. Let's talk about another one. One of the, uh, another great dialectical tension is the spontaneity planner dialectic, right? right? One person... <laughs> is very different than yeah. the other. And describe this one. What is this? What can this one yeah, look like? Which I think for us, that's probably been one of the hardest ones because we really are opposite when it comes to this particular dialectic. Mm -hmm. Don't you agree? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's so many funny examples I could use. Um, feel free to share. But the, just the other night, we were um, at home. We were going to watch Netflix. And we typically watch our show that we're, we're in a series, you yeah. know, whatever series that is. But I said, hey, how about, how about tonight we watch a real movie? Because we haven't watched a real movie in months um, where we actually sit down and watch the movie from beginning to end. We're going to pick it on Netflix. And so I suggested, let's find a movie on Netflix, right? And you said, okay, sure, that sounds good. And so you, you know, got Netflix on and you, within, what, one minute, maybe not even that. Less than a minute. 30 seconds. Yeah. You were like, bam, there it is. Yeah, there's the movie we're watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what did I say? You said, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is this? What's the movie? I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I just, let's just watch it. And if we don't like it, we'll turn it off and find another one. And you went, Walter, well, let's, let's, you know, watch the trailer. Let's see if we like it. Let's see how it's reviewed. And I said, honey, let's just watch it for 10 minutes. If it's not good, we'll go to another one. Yeah. And that was such a funny dynamic in that moment of. Well, I said, I, I kind of wanted to be a part of the choosing. That's right. You did. And, and you said. Well, that would take like two hours. I did. I did and say that. And I said, that. I think that might be an exaggeration. Okay. And you agreed. That's right. Yes. And the movie wasn't any good. So we had to go to a different movie. Yeah. You are the planner. <laughs> I'm the spontaneous person. And so uh, sometimes spontaneity is fun and sometimes sure. it works and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Yeah. And sometimes planning you, that's what I'm learning to become better at. Right. Is actually yeah. setting um, an agenda, thinking ahead before we do something. You've helped me a lot to move down the scale that direction. A good example would be this podcast. You know, you and I were going to uh, shoot a couple podcasts today, together, and we talked through this particular one a little bit, and then suddenly, about an hour and a half before this one, I sprung the second one on mm -hmm. you and said, oh, hey, by the way, here's the second topic. Yeah, it'll and, be fine. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> to which I said, uh, no. Heck no. <laughs> yeah. So that's, a, it's funny, yeah. right? We yeah. know each other so well, and yet it's so easy sometimes to still presume yeah. your own side of the dialectic upon the other person. I just mm. think, oh, of course Stacy's going to be spontaneous. Yeah. And it's not true at all. And so what I've got to learn to do is move down the planning side of that dialectic. Yeah. And I have to relax a little bit and just have some fun and, and be willing to kind of go with your spontaneity at times and not like burst your whole bubble within yeah. the first 10 seconds of you mentioning a fun idea, which I have been guilty of doing. You'll give me some great fun idea and I begin to tell you immediately all that's going to go wrong with it. And so, you know, that's an area that I have to keep working on. Yeah. Well, and everybody so. does. So just a couple more of these. These are very common. These are some of the most common dialectics that all relationships go through. Here's another one. 
Uh, and this one can be really challenging for some people. This is what's known as the optimist, non-optimist dialectic. That's such a nice way to say that. <laughs> Thank you. The, you know, there's always yeah. one person in this dynamic who sees things how? Positively. They're, they're hopeful about a great outcome all the time. Yeah. How, yeah. how is everything going to yeah. turn out? Yeah. It's going to turn out great. It's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. Right. If that doesn't work yeah. out, no big deal. It's fine. We'll work it out. Right. We'll just yeah. kind of pivot and do something different yeah. to the other person. It's not even that they're necessarily a pessimist. OK, that's a that's a real negative way of yeah. viewing the world. But but they're not a natural optimist. Yeah. They right? tend to, to question. That's right. Yeah. Well, what if? And mm -hmm. so all of these questions arise mm -hmm. that to the optimist at some point, they can mm -hmm. just get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Why can't you just go with it mm -hmm. and just, you know, we'll figure it out as we go along, which kind of goes yeah. with the spontaneity planner yeah. uh, dialectic as well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can make a list as well of the people that we know. In every relationship, you're going to have somebody that tends to be more of the optimist yeah. and the other person that tends to be the non-optimist. And it sounds like it's small, but it's really, it permeates... All, it can permeate all of your relationship. It can permeate your money, your ch your child rearing. You know the way that you communicate, right? It, it can really kind of permeate so many areas and make it really frustrating. Yeah. At times. Yeah, and so we've just named three, and there are dozens, right? We looked at extroversion, introversion as an as a dialectic. We looked mm -hmm. at spontaneity and planning. Mm -hmm. We looked at. Um, this third one was the optimist, mm -hmm. non-optimist, right? Mm -hmm. That's a very common one mm -hmm. uh, in relationships. Mm -hmm. Let's look at another one. Now, this one, I think, might be one of the most powerful dialectics that can really do a number on couples if they're not aware of it. And it's the autonomy attachment mm -hmm. dialectic, mm -hmm. right? So when, you th when, when we talk about this autonomy attachment dialectic, what is the dynamic that goes on between these two? You know, I think that you typically have, and again, and there's no hard and fast rule for it, but you typically have in a relationship, and it may shift at times during the relationship over the years, but where you have one person that is needing um, more togetherness and one person that's needing more independence. And so there's this kind of push-pull, and it can be uh, a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that can look um, a lot of ways. It could, it could be just time together, mm -hmm. right? It could be uh, activities together. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be intimacy, mm -hmm. right? It could be one person in a season of relationship that needs more attachment, more physical touch, not always sexual, but it could be sexual, mm -hmm. non-sexual, but they just need that touch, that affirmation of touch and, affirma uh, mm -hmm. and attachment. And the other person is more into autonomy, that they need more separateness, mm -hmm. right? That that's just the season they're going through. And this dynamic can really do a number on people because typically... The person who has the higher need for attachment, when they're confronted by autonomy, how do they feel? What feelings arise within them when they see this person pushing for autonomy? Mm, they take it personally and can feel rejected. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. They feel rejected. Mm -hmm. It's personal. This person doesn't want to be with me. Right. And that may not be the case at, at all. all. And right. the same is true for affection, right? It can be misinterpreted as... Maybe they're not attracted to me or maybe they don't want to be with me or whatever it is. And it's, it's not necessarily that. It's just right. a difference in real wiring. Yeah. Right? And this is the one, actually, this particular tension, I think, is the one that really has the ability to grow us up the most. Mm -hmm. Because for a person who wants autonomy to see the needs of the person that wants attachment, for them to move down the scale towards attachment when maybe their natural instinct is not to move down that scale, mm -hmm. that's hard for them, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, because I think oftentimes they can, the one that wants more autonomy can feel kind of um, enveloped by the other person. They feel pressured. They feel kind of just smothered. Right. right? Absolutely. And then flip it around. The person mm -hmm. who's on the attachment side of that dialectic, for them to move down the scale towards autonomy mm -hmm. and to give up for a bit of time that, that fulfillment of attachment mm -hmm. with this person that can feel like a, almost a sense of self-abandonment, mm -hmm. right? And this is now where this person can begin making choices mm -hmm. that can be very unhealthy. Yeah. In order for them to find that validation, they can now find it in all kinds of ways now that can actually cause damage to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Conversely, the mm -hmm. autonomous person, if they don't move down that scale mm -hmm. more and, and mature themselves to do that, what, what 
could they possibly create the environment for? I think a real disconnect, a real distance, you know, where the spouse kind of eventually moves away because of the distance. That's right. This person Mm -hmm. finally says, you know, Mm -hmm. I just can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And rather than them, than them growing in the maturity of the relationship and Mm -hmm. learning to be stronger with autonomy, Mm -hmm. they leave. Right. They say, you know what, I'm going to go find someone else that can give me attachment. The problem with that is almost every relationship that starts is mutual attachment. That's how it starts. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. Right. There's the dopamine rushes. There's the 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 validation that goes on between two people. Mm -hmm. And so now this person says, ah, Mm -hmm. I finally got the thing I've always wanted. Yeah. And then when that period that that season what we call fusion wears off wears off suddenly the dialectic shows up again with a vengeance Mm -hmm. and this person now goes what Mm -hmm. in the world just happened Mm -hmm. right i thought i had the right relationship and now it's no different than the last one so they seek another relationship and they seek another relationship right and the reality is what they've got to realize is what i'm carrying into every relationship is an excessive need for attachment and my inability to find autonomy. Conversely, the person who has a natural instinct towards autonomy has got to realize they're going to probably connect with somebody that has a higher need for attachment, and they're going to have to learn to start moving down the scale towards attachment and not allow that void to set Mm -hmm. in that relationship. I think this has to be one of the hardest areas to be really honest about in in a relationship. Um, why do you think that is? I, you know, I think it's, I think it's very difficult to say the person that needs more autonomy to say to the other person that they need that. Yeah. I think it's because there's probably not many things that feel more painful than aloneness. And that particular dialectic Mm -hmm. creates the environment to feel very alone Mm -hmm. because the person who needs autonomy and feels maybe enveloped smothered by somebody right as they see it they can feel very isolated and very alone and it's frightening to them they don't like that the other person can feel very alone because they're not getting the attachment needs met Mm -hmm. and i think this idea of aloneness is very very damaging to a relationship Mm -hmm. unless you understand the dynamic that's going on right and when you can understand it then you realize oh wait a minute just because my spouse doesn't want to be together tonight doesn't mean I'm being rejected. Mm -hmm. It just means that he or she needs that time alone tonight. Mm -hmm. And that's all that it means. Which goes back to your definition of maturity. That's right. The The degree to to which we can tolerate and manage discomfort effectively. Mm -hmm. And that's why every one of these dialectics, they bring forth a discomfort, don't they? Mm -hmm. And so I've got to realize if I can't tolerate this discomfort, and if I can't manage it effectively, I will never move down the, the, the maturation process of becoming a more mature person. Because here's what happens. You and I know this. It's like going to the gym. You, you know, you've said this. When you and I are really working out regularly and consistently, you've been amazed sometimes at how strong you get, you know, fairly quickly. Within about six months, mm-hmm. you go from one set of weights to a whole nother set of weights. Mm-hmm. But that weight hasn't changed. Yeah. What's changed? The strength. The strength. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden that 25, 30 pound dumbbell mm-hmm. that you were doing work with, now, you know, maybe you were doing four to six reps with it. Now you're doing eight to 10 mm-hmm. or 12 reps with it. It's the same weight, mm-hmm. but what's changed is your physical maturity, right? Yeah. Your body has strengthened. Yeah. Isn't that the same yeah. way in a relationship? Absolutely. You're exercising those muscles that are required to become a stronger person. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So when you and I early on have the extroversion, introversion tension, Mm-hmm. that occurs theoretically speaking if we're both growing through the process three four five years from now mm-hmm. how should we both be managing that tension mm-hmm. much much better yeah mm-hmm. it's still there it's mm-hmm. still that 30 pound weight mm-hmm. but the difference is because mm-hmm. we're both stronger because we've both grown in autonomy and attachment mm-hmm. we both have grown in spontanea uh, spontanea spontaneity <laughs> and planning now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's not the same weight that it was before. Yeah. Yet you find a relationship yeah. that after 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, it's the breaking point in so many of these areas that they yeah. just say, we're just way too different. Yeah. In reality, when you say that we're just way too different, what actually 
is really being said? What has not happened over the course of those 15 years? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a real misframing of what's really true, you know, and it's kind of, unfortunately, the easy way out, you know, instead of taking your own personal responsibility and your own personal growth and development, you kind of push it off to the other person and you yeah. don't have that maturity that you're talking about. You don't ever really develop it. So you're kind of stunted in your growth, hoping that it's going to be different yeah. next time. And oftentimes it isn't. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You know, one more that you and I talked about just to give everyone a real flavor for these dialectics, right? Uh, and then for them to actually sometimes sit down and go, you know, what are the dialectics in our relationship? Because every relationship brings out a different set of dialectics. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be with one person and it, it exposes these eight or 10 tensions. Mm-hmm. You go into another relationship and it may expose a whole nother set of them, right? Mm-hmm. But another very common one is the task play Mm, dialectic yeah that's a big one yeah and and, and talk about that one for a minute help help people understand this dynamic what is task play (laughs) well let's see you love every day to just get up and have spontaneity about your day and it's just it's about having fun and enjoying the day which is awesome right yeah um but that's that's a high high priority for you it's just Mm -hmm. to if it's a saturday you want to get out and go to the mall or, you know, get together with friends, whatever. It's, it's really, truly about, um, just playing. You love to play in life, which I do too. But I think that I have this, this natural tendency to say, we're going to get up and we're going to bag like 10 bags of leaves on Saturday morning. (laughs) 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 And that's not appealing to you at all. And you will do almost anything to avoid it. Um, you will do it, Yeah, but it's just not, the first on your list by any means. And so uh, we could give so many examples of that so that, many we've, examples. that we've run into cleaning the garage, you know, right. um, whatever, but yeah. yeah. So we've really had to kind of flex. And everybody battles these things, right? Task play is a dynamic that goes on with most people. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I could say this for me, that was the, that dynamic for me is one of the things that held me back for so many years early on as a young man is I was so, uh, I was so unfocused on, task that uh, I wasn't very Mm self-disciplined. Over the years, I've learned that, you know, if I want to truly be successful at what I do, I've got to learn to be able to be very task-oriented. And and so I grew in that more and more. And then obviously with you, you've helped me to really see the responsibilities. You know, I've got this rule that I try to do now, and that is that if I see a need, I try to just, if I can take care of it right then, I'll do it then. Yeah. And not delay and procrastinate and push it off to another time. Yeah. And it's helped me a lot, but I'm still the play person and you're very much the task person, but you've learned to come down towards the play side with me. Yeah. You've taught me a lot about this. This is still an area I think of growth for me, but you've taught me so much about just being present. I think with whatever situation arises, you're really good at that, especially when it comes to people, you will literally drop everything that you're doing just to to engage someone or to have an encounter with someone. You're never too busy for anyone. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's really admirable because for me, you know, I can really let kind of my to-do list, if you will, to get in the way of um, what's most important. And yeah. so, yeah, I've really learned a lot from you in that area. Yeah, I think we both have grown in each of those. I mean, honestly, I think each of these dialectics mm-hmm. because of our awareness of them. This is one reason why we wanted to talk about this today. It's because this particular insight into relationships, I think, has really helped us to realize mm-hmm. it's not about there's something wrong with Walter or there's something wrong with Stacy. Mm-hmm. It's that what, what, what's happened is, and this is a concept that you and I, when we learn this, it's painful, but it's true. And that is what you realize is in a relationship, the other person becomes a mirror to your own immaturity. Yeah. And yeah. so when I'm around you, you become a reflection of me. I, I, I see myself and my own immaturity in you. Mm-hmm. So to the degree that I'm play and not task, I realize you're helping me to see mm-hmm. the imbalance. Mm-hmm. I'm extroversion, not introversion. The inability mm-hmm. just to be alone mm-hmm. and to reflect for excessive periods of time. That dynamic, when, it become, when tension arises, I realize that's, that's a a mirror of my own immaturity and yours, right? right? And yours. And this is what we have to realize is that human beings, when we get into relationships with them, 
they become a mirror of our own immaturity. Mm -hmm. But what is our natural tendency to do? We don't look at somebody else and go, wow, you sure show me my own immaturity so well. No, we always default to ourselves and we always, yeah, do blame. And, you know, I think that um, it's just too easy to do that. I think also it's, I think it's very difficult to, to really be able to see ourselves and our true deficiencies. Maybe mm. I should speak for myself, but I think it's it's almost so painful to see your own deficiencies for what they really are yeah. that you have to deflect it. You know, it's just kind of your human nature default. Because if you really look at, you know, how you may have contributed to a terrible fallout you had, it's so ugly and so painful. You know, it really takes a real maturity and a pause to 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 really see yourself yeah. for what you really bring to the table. And then when you do, it's so much easier to, to just own it and move through it and light your pride down and say, I'm sorry. But I know for me, many times in, in our conflicts, I just, I know that what I did was so ugly and what I said was so ugly. And I just, I can't even hardly admit it to myself because it's so ugly. Yeah. So then you just hold on to it for as long as you can. Yeah. And you know, I think that that's, if you could just move through that cycle faster um you know i think it would make conflict resolution it gets you to what you both ultimately want which is peace together right yeah it's you know it's it's like self-justification requires the fault of the other Mm -hmm. and therefore i have to seek it out i have to demonstrate to you your faults in order for me to live in my self-justified world about why i was right and you were Mm -hmm. wrong and man, that's painful to give that up. Mm-hmm. This goes back to a model we talked about, you know, several podcasts ago, the, the whole idea of going in the mm-hmm. box, feeling yeah. fully self-justified. Yeah. But in order to get out of the box, what does that require for somebody to truly give up their self-justification? What does that require well, of them? I think you really have to see yourself accurately and you have to stop demonizing the other person. And I think when you're in marriage and you're fighting, it's so easy just to demonize the other person. And pretty soon, you know, you've just like built this little <laughs> ball and oh, it's terrible, yeah. you know, but if you can really stop and go, you know what, what a jerk am I? You know, I could have done the same thing and I have done the same thing yeah. and I have acted the same way. Right. And yet I'm so prideful that I can't even admit it. You know, I think it's just, Man, it's hard to come to terms with that. And so yeah. we stay in our little boxes as long as we possibly can. When if we could just stop and recognize we really want the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. We have the same goal. We want connectedness and we just keep kind of missing each other. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that that's, that, that's right. And, and the hard part is, is that I have to realize that what I'm trying to get you to see or to do ultimately is driven by some level of me reducing my own discomfort. Mm-hmm. If, if you could see it my way, Stacy, mm-hmm. if you could recognize that what you just said and how you said it mm-hmm. was wrong and you could apologize to me or you could acknowledge that you did it, then I can relax and calm down mm-hmm. because now I see that you see it the way I see it. Yeah. And what ends up happening is that is, becomes the mechanism that people use to manage their own tension. Rather than saying, yes, she may not see it the way that I see it. Yes, she may disagree with me or he may disagree with me. But the way that I choose to manage myself in this moment has everything to do with my maturity Mm -hmm. and nothing to do with who they are. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's the beauty of the tension. The beauty of the tension is that it really shows me who I really am. It's the barometer of my Mm -hmm. maturity. Mm And, and so you and I, as much as we know this, we still work at it weekly, don't we? Mm-hmm. We still have events where you and I, we're both very stubborn people mm-hmm. and we fight for what we believe. And if you could see it our way, and if there's one thing that you and I, I think have done well is that we have uh, expedited the process. We get to the other side of that quicker where we stop mm-hmm. and go, this isn't working. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've grown there. Right. It's almost like you're so hungry to be loved that yeah. you see, it's, it's like you see the other person. Yeah. Right? This, is an, this is an interesting way of thinking about it. Rather than seeing their love as a gift, you see their love as a life support system. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that I have to have it in in a very yeah. certain way. Yeah, we place this enormous burden on one another. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And what happens when you put a weight on this person that they're not meant to carry? Mm-hmm. What happens to that person over time? Mm-hmm. They become beaten down. They become weaker. You know, they, yeah. become, they become resentful of that thing that's that they're carrying around. Right. Yeah. You said something to me a long time ago that I hated. <laughs> Not about you, but about me. Because I know that at times I can still do it. Mm. And you said to me, sometimes I feel so inadequate. Mm. Right? When I share with you my frustrations or mm-hmm. we get into an argument. And you've mm-hmm. said to me, sometimes I can feel so inadequate around mm-hmm. you. And or that I make you feel inadequate, not that you are inadequate, but that I can make you feel inadequate. And I'll tell you what, that, I remember how painful those words are because the last thing in the world you ever want the person that you love to ever feel is inadequate, mm-hmm. right? And what you were really saying is you're demanding something of me in order for you to feel better about you. You didn't say it that way, but that's in effect what I was doing. Yeah. Right. And it can go both ways. Yeah. And and oftentimes does. The reality is we have to be able to stop in the moment and ask ourselves, what is required of me right now in order for me to be okay? And if my answer is I need them to be something, Mm -hmm. I need them to do something for me to be okay. We've got a problem. So let's talk about this because I think this is so complex in marriage in any relationship, but I think that there's this real fine line between wanting to be understood versus wanting to be agreed with. You know, mm. we run into that a lot with our conflict. Yeah, I think it gets misunderstood and then it becomes really messy. Um, but one of the things that we talked about as we began to um, prepare for this podcast was just this idea of how can we create a safe place for the other person to share feelings, not necessarily criticisms, but it might be, it might be a complaint. It might be a feeling. How can we do that in a way, um, that works? So how can I, how can I create a space for you that is safe without retaliation, without your fear of retaliation that you can share with me, Stacey, this is what I'm feeling. Right. And I think a lot of times it's just the language that we use that we mess up on. You know, if I said to you, you know, Walter, I know that you may not have meant it this way. You probably did mean it this way. But when you said this, um, I felt hurt or I felt angry or whatever it is. And then you allowing me to say that. Yeah. And I think that one of our struggles has been if you share something with me and I don't agree with it, then I immediately let you know. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous or no, that's not what I meant. And I immediately kind of attack back. Right. And somehow being able to create that space for each other. Right. hundred percent. When, when you, when, when, a, when a person makes, um, I want you to understand me equal to, I need you to agree with me. Mm-hmm. That's the impasse mm-hmm. because I, I can listen and say, I understand, I hear what you're saying, and not agree, right? Or you Mm -hmm. not agree with me. Mm -hmm. But you have to create, and you're right, I think the right word is it's a safe space, Mm -hmm. emotionally speaking, Mm -hmm. so that that person feels confident that I can come and I can share this with you, and I don't feel like you're going to say, well, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that? Mm -hmm. No. And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden they go into some logical you know, argumentation for mm-hmm. why what you just said isn't true. Mm-hmm. And how common is that, by the way? No, oh, it happens all the time. I think it's tough, though, because it's like when you try to define, for example, when you use the word, which I don't think it's a bad word, um, I, I understand. But, you know, there's many times that we don't understand. And you and you feel like in your spirit, no, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. And so that's <laughs> that, I think that's when it becomes really tricky. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, to make the other person feel heard. Yeah. It, it can be really tough. Yeah, absolutely. This is, again, this is where you've helped me. To be able to use the language of, uh, I'm trying to understand, you know, tell me more about what you, what you mean by that. You know, explain more, because I, I really want to understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. That's the language that was foreign to me. 
Because or I'm sad, angry, lonely, shame. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All the, what are all, all the, those feelings? Yeah, all the feeling words. <laughs> and I didn't give that a lot of respect for a long time, but I've realized over time, sometimes when a person feels understood, really that's what they want. And the problem, again, though, is we want to make sure that we don't go from feeling understood to feeling agreed with. Because a lot of times in most disagreements, okay, we have to just mm -hmm. be honest about it. Most couples are not going to agree mm -hmm. on the final outcome, mm -hmm. but they can seek clarity. Mm -hmm. Do I understand what Stacy was trying to say, what she's feeling? And in light of what I understand, I may not agree with her on this instance, but moving forward in the future, I understand what she needs. Mm -hmm. And I understand what it is that really upsets her. And so it may not resolve this particular example, but moving forward, I'm aware of it. And that's how the relationship evolves. So rather than yeah. saying, you know, I win this argument, it's no, I want to make sure we're creating an environment of a safe space yeah. so that you know what I need moving forward. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I think we're a lot of times people are so in the moment of let's, let's, mm -hmm. let's win this argument here mm -hmm. as opposed to Let's create an environment where I know, where we both know what each other needs mm -hmm. moving forward into the future. Or you create this terrible pattern where you don't create safety and therefore you no longer share the feelings that you really have, which you and I can be, know can be detrimental in a marriage. And, and then right. you, sh you really shut down. And so mm -hmm. there's no truth told. And then you really do have a disconnect there because there's no safe place. Absolutely. So why share? Because the person's not going to be able to receive it. So then begins that cycle, which yeah. is detrimental. Look, we could go on and on about this. I mean, what we just described just now without even calling it is another dialectic, right? Yeah. It's the logic emotion dialog dialectic. One person brings predominantly a logical mm -hmm. framework to a relationship. Another per brings an emotion framework mm -hmm. to the relationship mm -hmm. and that can create a lot of tension. Mm -hmm. So what has to happen? The person who is more into logic has to learn to move down the dialectic towards emotion mm -hmm. and be able to listen and feel and have empathy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the person who's on the emotion side has got to learn to grow in the maturity to do what? You can say it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> they have to learn to grow <laughs> in the areas of logic and reason I and go, know. you know what? I know yeah. I felt that way. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. You know, now that I think about it some more, I guess there's some other ways I could process this, right? There's some other ways I could make sense of this than how I was feeling about it before. Yeah, that's always after the fact. That's not the the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so really, this is the, kind of the heart of what we wanted to talk about today, right? We, we yeah. wanted to talk about arate, this idea of pursuing excellence in everything that we do. And relationships are so common that... We want to help people have a framework for making sense of the purpose of your relationship. So whether you're dating somebody, whether you have a partner, whether you're married, we want everyone to understand that you've got to understand that the purpose of that relationship is to mature both of mm -hmm. you. And mm -hmm. if you don't see it that way, and if what you see it as is that your purpose is to be my life support mm -hmm. so that I feel amazing about myself all the time. Yeah then yeah. it's just a matter of time before what happens. Yeah, that's a death sentence, I think. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. It's a death Disillusionment hits, yeah. discouragement, and then yeah. the death sentence, and then it's over. Because then you become resentment, resentful of your partner, and I think that's one of the biggest crippling effects, I think, in a marriage relationship. It's yeah. just resentment. Remember a number of months ago, we'll finish on this, a number of months ago, a friend of mine asked me, hey, what do you think is the best part, the best thing about you and Stacy?" Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I answered that pretty quickly. And I said, it's the fact that we both want the same outcome, but we also both believe in the same process. Mm -hmm. And I was telling them that the fact that you and I really see relationship as this dialectical process of both of us needing to learn to grow down the other end of the dialectic so that we become more balanced and more mature, it would be very painful if you believed that and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't still grow, mm -hmm. but it means that I wouldn't grow with you. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden it's like you're maturing and I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that's another problem. And that's another podcast. Yeah. When one person outgrows and outmatures another. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, why aren't you coming along with me? Now it's yeah. like it's now now it's like somebody dating somebody 
30 years younger because they're not growing with them. You need somebody who can truly believe with you that the purpose of this dynamic Mm -hmm. is for us to grow together and become Mm -hmm. more and more mature. And that's where now intimacy ignites. Right. Isn't it? Yes, it is. But you would agree, I think, that there's so many cases where that isn't the case. Um, that change can happen, even if it's small, if one person is willing to grow themselves, that, that dynamics can change yeah. within a relationship. Would you agree? I do agree. If, yeah. if you have one person that's willing to do the work. Yeah, there's an old saying that says it takes two. It's not true. It takes one to affect change. And as yeah. long as one person is willing to move into discomfort, because that's what you got to do, right? Yeah. One person has got to make the choice that I'm willing to move towards discomfort, which is another way of saying I'm willing to move into maturity in order to create the dynamic for the other person than to feel the need for change. Which is often hard, and and sometimes the consequences of that are are too painful. But It is, but welcome to the maturation process. And when two people begin to do it, man, now you're talking um, fulfilling the capacity of that relationship. Right again. That's erite. It's not just it's a good enough relationship, but it's an excellent relationship, mm-hmm. and it's a relationship now that just gets better and deeper and sweeter with time mm-hmm. because you have two people now who don't see each other as each other's life support, mm-hmm. but they see that the love that's given to each other is a real gift, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's really the beauty of a great relationship. And create a real interdependence. That's right. Just hard to find. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking about this today. Yeah, this is why we like to talk about it. I think we just kind of just touched the tip of the surface when it comes to so many aspects of the challenges of relationships. So yeah, I look forward yeah. to We're going to be writing some stuff together, which I'm pretty excited about, really talking about some of these concepts and put it down and maybe put it together in a co-author a book together. That would be mm-hmm. a lot of fun to be able that to do this fun. and talk about this. It's really impacted our lives. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to help people as best we can. So... Love you and thank you for another great podcast.